the Canaboscion, there lived a monk named Appa Byzantios. The other monks spoke of him with great esteem, but he did not walk amongst them, and never once did I encounter him in the halls. Many times they would speak of saving rations and delivering food to his abode, which I reckoned could not have been far away, given the speed with which the brothers offering him charity would return. The calling of Apopisentios is of a rare and great importance, Apopetros would say. Apopisentios is in a position to save more lost souls than any man alive. I tried to make sense of this claim, until finally one day, Apopetros handed me a basket of Avram bread and Skaukau beer, and told me to bring them across the river to Father Pizentios. If you travel upstream on the bank, you will see a shed for farming, and if you hike up the dunes from there, you will find Pizentios's dwelling. Apopetros directed me. Do not feel compelled to rush, for it may be good that you dally and offer the old monk companionship. He is a lonely man on a singular mission, though he may not claim it so. And so I did this, and wandered through the bright and shining sun to snake my path along the sands and find the only feature the shadowy door of a derelict and ancient stone tomb jutting deep into the earth. As I walked through the entrance of the tomb, I saw Appa Pizentios' possessions at the threshold, where you could still catch some luminance from the sun. His belongings consisted of a plate, a nest bale of wine, and a well-worn codice of scripture. I was so wrapped up in the mystery of the old man that when I looked up, I was stunned by a spectacular fresco of the old pharaoh. The old king rode astride his great barge, accompanied by a retinue of adoring courtiers, stoic soldiers, and many registers of archaic hieroglyphs. I made a half-hearted attempt to tease out their meaning, using what I had learned in the great library, but it was only in vain. I hadn't the time or true knowledge for such puzzles. I had not heard of the anchoritic nature of Apopisentios' dwelling, yet sure he rested further in the tomb, I continued my descent down the shaft without the aid of torchlight. I descended to a level with a floor that opened out upon a pitch-black hall, from whence I heard the muffled voice of a man shouting and crying out. Isos Te Met Aro, 
And I froze where I stood. A stillness gripped the room as I concentrated my ears on the void. Slowly, there arose a rasping, like the exhalation of wind, a shriek of pain, like many voices that rose to a dreadful howling and dissipated instantaneously. Then the hall was gripped by silence, and in the absence of all but the memory of that wailing, my heart came to quiver. Uh, Appa? Appa Pesentios? I inquired meekly into the darkness. What is it, my son? Replied the old man without start or hesitation. I was sent by Apopetros to bring you some food and drink. I have not met you before, my son. Would you join me at my meal? Of course, Apa. Father Pizentios and I returned to his dwelling at the mouth of the tomb's shaft. I joined him in a short prayer of thanks for the food, and watched as he began to inspect the contents of the basket. What is thy name, brother? The old man asked in a sort of despondent yawn, as though just waking up from a long nap. Son Ammonios, Appa. Ah, brother Ammonios. Well, as always, Appa Petros is excessive in his rations, and an old monk like me has hardly any need for such great portions. Please, break bread with me. Of course, Appa. I began to nibble and tear at my piece while Father Pizentios dunked his head into the loaf, slowly removing sizable chunks to digest like a tortoise. Now I could see the grave extent of his sunken eyes and his shaggy facial hair in the light of the entrance. They used to have me teach reading and writing up at the monastery, you know. But my eyes have wavered and dimmed in my later years. And so my brothers look after me, as I have retired to a life of contemplation. We watched the dying of the light as Ray sank to the west behind the banks of the Iro, and the final glints of its shimmer vanished under the sandy horizon. What lies on your heart, brother? He asked me, seeking pleasant conversation after taking his fill. Father, 
What was the origin of that sound in the darkness that your prayers called forth? It was the anguish of the damned souls that rests here in these tombs. I sat trying to grasp Father Pesentios's claim. Father, I must confess that I have spent much time in the company of the dead and have not known them to pronounce their passions so. Hmm. Appa Pesentios grunted with a kind of private satisfaction. Well, it would be my pleasure, Brother Ammonios, if you would join me in my works, once you have finished your food. Having already scarfed down his meal long before me, he got up and walked back to the central chamber of the tomb as I paused for a moment to finish my dinner while watching the pink clouds disperse over a dimming sunset. When I was ready, I retreated to the inner chamber where Appa Pesentios had lit a small clay lamp. The central hall was mostly empty, save for the sand and stones before our feet, but was covered wall to wall in hieroglyphs and mythological scenes I recognized as the passage of the king through the houses of Amente and the land of Osiri. The journey was laid out orderly, as separated by registers that ran across the length of the corridor. Appa Pesentios motioned me to accompany him through the passageway first to the left, one of the three chambers which surrounded the end of the hall. He used to have so many toys in there, enough to fill the room from floor to ceiling. Gold, silver, ivory, thieves stole them all many, many years ago. Appa Pesentios remarked as we walked to the first cell off the main chamber. What hubris we of Kamei had that we thought we could bring the bounty, won by our sins on earth, with us to heaven. We entered a small room peeking out from the narrow, dark hallway which we had passed through. Pesentios's light cast shadows across the walls of the room, swelling the silhouettes of the jackal, falcon, and baboon-headed vessels laid out among a display of wooden offerings. At the end of the room, a stone sarcophagus sat beneath an ornate false door painted in red on the wall. Inside the lidless sarcophagus lay the desiccated body of a man of average height, its arms crossed over its shoulders and its eyes in repose. Appa Pesentio sat down and pinched the flame of the lamp with his finger. The tomb was cast into darkness. Speak to me now, O king of old. 
What is thy name? Out of the darkness came a raspy whisper. I am Tuthkepere, once king of the two lands. Spirit, speak to us of your life. I was son of the king, and he the son of the king before me. I lived a life of luxury and pleasures, decadent and sentimental. I was strong. I crushed the enemies of the two lands beneath the soles of my feet. I never knew Speak to me of your sins, O Tutkepere. I was proud, and after some time, I came to realize that I was the image of my people, and my privilege was without exception. I came to see people as objects. I came to use them in selfish ways for my convenience, which has forever stayed my soul. Oh, Tutkepere, why did you do these things to your fellow man? Because they allowed me to do so. And how do you regret these sins, O oh king? Here, in this place, it has been day, repent before the Dois Isos de Christos, renouncing your haunted gods, and seek his charity on the day of judgment. Yeah. 
Peace be upon you, Tutkepere, concluded Pizentios, who struck the lamp and stood up. And so we returned to the main chamber and proceeded to the opposite door on the right. As we walked, the Appa warned me to be cautious of the occupant in the next room. This next one has a temper. She is most obstinate in her refusal of the gospel, and every day do we quarrel. Finally, at the end of the passage, we found ourselves in a room similar in size and layout to the last. The walls were decorated with paintings of Mother Issei, suckling whore the child, reminding me eerily of that night in Alexandria I tried so desperately to forget, and in the center of the room lay a wooden sarcophagus. The mummy was smaller and more slender than the last, but most unsettling was its face, which had petrified into a contorted expression of anguish. Appa Pizentio snuffed out the lamp. Once again I ask ye, O lost soul, what is thy name? I am Isnofret, queen of the two lands, wife of Tutkepere. Speak to us of your life. Mine was a life of longing, for though I was never lacking in the delights of the body or the affections of others, I always stood in the shadow of my brother, for I and Tutkepere had grown up together, destined to wed. Yet our roles would be different. Whence I gave birth to his child, I was to be discarded while he toyed with a country he was too drunk to rule. I was filled with envy and spite. And speak to us of your sins. In my time of living, I deceived the trust of my brother and other men and conspired finally to slit his throat as he slept. None of his heirs were of age to govern the two lands and I, having poisoned our child, knew that my right was to rule in his stead. Grave sin. What of your death? Not one year from my plot, I was murdered by the sponsors of the next in line to the throne. A mere boy my brother had sown with a cousin princess. Do you this day? Repent before the Doas, Isos Pechristos, renouncing your pagan gods, and seek his charity 
when you were resurrected on the day of judgment? Never. Why? I asked. Because the few months I spent on the throne gave my life meaning. Even an eternity of damnation and loneliness was worth that fleeting moment of happiness. The name of your dois, Isos Pechristos, is shit, and I piss on him. The voice began screeching in irritation. A shrill noise seemed to echo through the room like a serpent's rattle. I cowered my head under my arms, in fear the hate-filled thing in the darkness would strike at me. Then I heard Appa Pizentios calmly let forth a frustrated sigh, like a teacher who has all but abandoned a dull pupil. Peace be upon you, he snuffed. I will return tomorrow. Without even lighting the lamp, Apopizentios got up and made his way through the passageway in the darkness. I followed by tracking the sound of his footsteps and eventually once again met with his illuminance in the central hallway. Now we are to visit my flock proper. Watch your step here, Ammonios. It is a sharp decline. To the end of the hall, we now descended down a steep staircase into a second shaft deeper into the tomb. I cautiously followed Pizentios in every step, careful not to trip and spill down the chasm. Along the wall, illuminated by Pizentios's torchlight, stretched an enormous scene of the jackal-faced Anoop, carefully weighing the heart before the august scrutiny of long-beaked Dot, and at the end bade the beast Apop hungry for souls. Beyond the demon, the painting deteriorated from its polished and elegant aesthetic into brilliant cartoons of animals, handprints, and carved combating stick figures borne by the hands of those who came before the furnishing of the sepulchre. And engraved beside these expressions stood the alphabetical vulgarities and trespassing evil eyes left by those who came afterward. After a long time, we had reached the sandy bottom of the slope and now stared out onto a large room. There were no decorations on the walls here, nothing unique in its architecture, merely a large, empty chamber with unadorned walls. But when my eyes turned to the floor, I was wrapped by horror. There, before us, lay a massive and mangled pile of human bones, a turbid mixture of countless ribs, 
skulls, and femurs. There was not even any space to step between them. Appa Pesentios looked down upon them with a look of pity and spoke. They used to be all laid out here, neatly in rows. I visit them every day, and many times have I counted. But I still can't quite tell how many there are here. The thieves that ransacked the loot of the nobles upstairs also went through the servants' chamber. And when they were done, they threw the bodies down in one big heap. All kinds of people lay here. Slaves, retainers, guards and litter carriers, handmaidens and harem girls. These are my children, Ammonios. I read to them the gospel every day. And they long for it? Oh, yes. For though the ones upstairs may receive my blessings, though they are damned and prideful, they few found their own expression in life. Hecristos cherishes these men and women, for though they were born before his words, they also knew themselves to be estranged from the powers and abuses of this world. Everyone needs a good story to keep them going, Ammonials. Finally, in death, they might hear one that is about them.